Hello, folks. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Berto is your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Bruce Pollard is in the house. And you guess what? Bruce Pollard it was in this house. And now Bruce Pollard is at his house. I mean, it's, it's great. We, we, we had a great chat today. He got a chance to see Ashley uh, over for after not seeing her for a long time, etc., etc. So, so been a, it's been a good day. Let me adjust this camera here some. It's been a good day uh, seeing my brother Bruce come on over and, and shoot the bull a little bit before we got ready for the show. Uh, welcome, welcome, Senor AVQ. Great seeing you here. Eric Hayes is in the house. Uh, Ken Massestai, we are kind of slow today, starting slow. The emails just went out. I just heard all those bings going. Bridge MCP is in the house. How are you doing, Bridge? Great to see you here. Eric Hayes says, quality counts, not ideals in court. Watch Kennedy point out countless reversals of an appointment MRB is trying to get. Whoa, come on. We need quality, right? Mm, yeah, we need quality. I agree with that. I agree we need quality. I'm not exactly sure what we're talking about, but I'm pretty sure you're going to say something thereafter. Looks like Harris County County election challenges left over from 2022. November election fiasco are headed to the first trial in August. We're going to finally find out what actually happened in Harris County that kept millions of sheets of ballot paper in the county warehouse and not at the polls where thousands of voters didn't have ballots to vote until nine months since the election. And neither county judge Lena Hidalgo or her hand-picked election administrations have bothered to hold a press conference and take... You know why? And I'm going to finish reading that. I wouldn't have a press conference either. The right wing is full of it. I am tired of your made-up stories. And McInvale has, has fell, fallen for all the crap that, do, that the folks on the right do. I say ignore their butts. Go to court, answer the questions in court, and then ignore them. Look, the court has ruled in favor of, of all of us who know that the elections were not skewed over 50 times. We're not going to tolerate just... Wasting our time with these these clowns. We won't do it, Eric. It's a clownish misbehavior. These guys lost the race. Sit your butt down and try to get progressive values and may then get elected. But right now, you lost the darn race. Punto y final. Terminado. Nada más para decir. Nothing more to say. Carl Cox is in the house. Welcome aboard, Carl Cox. Uh, Breeze says it's 102 degrees with 86% humidity. I hope you mean... 102 feels like and not the actual degrees in New York. Otherwise, that is pretty high for New York, Breach. Pretty high. E2247 is in the house, he says. Uh, Hello, relatives. Today's visit will be the greatest ever visit as usual. Bruce had some great pointers for the show today that I'm, I'm going to slowly implement. Um, I, 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 and, you know, Bruce has given me some pointers about... Certain things I've gotten other pointers from other good folks, including Bridge MCP, etc. That you know, I, I am going to incorporate it to sort of solidify a few things. So, as we go along, if you see a few changes, you know, you know why it's not my fault, it's their fault. No, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But anyhow, um, so yeah, but I, 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 if you, if there are things that you guys would like to see as well, I like taking advice from the uh, from the coalition, from the posse. From all of us. So, because like I've always said, this is your show. But he gave some important pointers that I think uh, we, we should heed as well. Anyhow, we're going to start the show today with Rick Smith. Rick Smith is the, uh, what we call the working class 
hero. He is out of Pennsylvania. I see him every year at Netroots, and I like to talk to him because he really has the pulse of a certain part of our, of our, you know, of, of the working class folks. So we had a good and very healthy discussion. Bruce, when you were out there at Netroots, I don't think you were on, uh, on the floor when I was talking to Rick. I think you were still back uh, doing your rounds, rounds uh, all throughout the, um, the different panels. But I want you guys to check this out, and then we'll take it on the other side. I think you're going to like this interview. Check this out. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right once again. Every year now, this is going to be a yearly thing. We're here with the one and only Top 100 talk <laughs> show in the country, El Senor Rick Smith. How are you doing, Rick? I am good, Egberto. Thanks for taking having me out. Well, you know, it's over, I, I, I guess it's a little bit under a year because the last time we met was in August last year at the Netroots in Pittsburgh. Now it's one year. What, what, what has happened in that one year that merits talking about? Oh, geez. I mean, what a year we've had. I mean, I look at I'm going to look at the positives. Yes. Because I think, you know, Joe Biden has been doing such a great job. You know, we got that infrastructure bill. You got the IRA. You got stuff that is being done. We're now seeing that money that was passed. Right. Getting out into communities. You know, I drove here from Pennsylvania. So we, we drove the entire way from uh -huh. from central Pennsylvania to Chicago and all of the construction and all of the time I had to wait in traffic yes. and all of the things that I blame Joe Biden. Joe Biden did that. But it's, it's bringing jobs, but bro. it's bringing jobs and it's going to make our infrastructure better. It's going to make us more competitive. It's going to give us opportunities of the future. This is building and investing in this country where the last guy talked about it. And you know this, yes. Trump talked, it was infrastructure every week. Every they had week. such great, they were great photos. Yes. My favorite is him with the little truck, <laughs> you know, with the hard, little hard hat and the yeah. shovel. Every week was a photo op for infrastructure week, but he never did anything. Yeah. And that really was indicative of the entire Trump administration. Right. Lots of talk, lots of big talk. Yes. Lots of the best talk. Yes. The best words. Yes. But no action. Yeah. Uh, Biden, no words. And, you know, look, I, the guy can't get a sentence out. Yeah. But he's doing the work. Jelly Bucket Joe is showing up and showing us that he's, he can get things done. Now, let me ask you the, the real question here, though, now that you started off with Joe Biden and how good the infrastructure bill is working. And it's not only the infrastructure bill that's bringing in jobs. We also have the, the, the one that brings the chips, the chip, bill. The chips sure. bill. And that's doing that's going to make a huge difference as far. But you know what bugs me about that, Rick? Do tell. Well, no, not only that. Let me tell you what. Check this out. We have corporations, capitalist corporations that tell you, you know, let the market take care of all these things. Yeah, and yeah. They, they market overseas. After they market overseas, or rather they build overseas, the supply chain gets screwed because of things that they should have foreseen that they didn't foresee. And now we pay to bring this stuff back to America. Why isn't it the uh, profit motive Man, allows I you to take risks? Man, I am so with you on this, but here's the reality. Yeah. If we don't, it doesn't happen I agree. This, in this moment. And and this is where I've had to swallow my pride in mm -hmm. this because I'm with you. Right. I, originally, I'm like, why are we giving corporate America money? Right. We, we paid them to leave, and now we're paying them to come back. Right. At the end of the day, what I think Biden is doing, and the, the, bigger than just the bills that right. were passed, right. is putting us on a different path. You know, we've been through neoliberalism for the last 50 years. Right. Supply side voodoo Reaganomics it has been the, the core of our economic principles for the last 40 right. years. I think Biden's moving us away from that, back to the old ideals of FDR and, and 
an active government investing and spending money to create jobs. I think that's important. And it's a shift of mindset. It's a shift of public policy. It's away from government is the problem to government can Can be be part part of the solution. solution. Now, let me ask you, do you think that's the reason why he went? Because a lot of people thought it was a mistake for him to label what we have now biting. I'm all in favor of it. Labeled it because he wants to say this is a new way of doing it. We don't want supply side anymore. And I don't know. He I don't think to, he did it. Uh, but he has to convince me, first of all, that he is really not going to get away from the neoliberalism. He hasn't convinced no, me No, no, his, yet, his Senate record is, is right there. Yes. I mean, you know, the reality is he was he a was in the heart of yes. the DLC Clinton yes. era yes. neoliberalism. But as president, what I have seen him do right. is moving away from that. And that's what, again, I, I am. Let me tell you, first of all, as a very progressive guy, likely more progressive than you are, I found that. I am very happy with, uh, compared to what I expected out of Biden, I'm like extremely happy. He was my fourth choice. <laughs> no, no, no. Look, you, I, you scare me, man. No, he was my fourth choice. Yeah, I mean, I thought I was bad. Okay. No, I, I look, and, and I said at the end of the day, he was mm-hmm. my fourth choice. He was, right. he's, you know, got through the primaries. He was the president. Now the job was, and this is the job of politics as a whole. Right. We are never going to get the perfect candidate. Exactly. We're never going to get, I don't agree with myself hundred percent of the time. Oh boy, that's How con- am I going to find that, wait, a politician? That, that is concerning now. That is concerning. All right. That's concerning, but I, I'm with you. I'm with no, you. No, how am I going to find a politician yeah. that I'm going to agree with hundred percent of the time? Right. This purity test stuff that we keep throwing out is ridiculous yeah. because we end up getting, uh, oh, I'm not going to vote for Hillary. Right. So what'd we get? You we see, got a maniac. It, it, but you know, it, we could have moved Hillary. Yes. Yes. So for me, it's you get someone in there who is movable, you get someone in there who's willing to listen, and then you organize people to say, no, you know what, this is what we want. And we've forgotten this in this country. We've got savior mentality. Right. When Obama became president, everyone's, he's the savior, he's going right. to do all this stuff. He didn't do much right. of anything yeah. because we stopped pushing. You know, you remember the first thing that occurred with Obama? OFA somehow disappeared. You remember OFA was a big thing. I was a, I was against OFA from the beginning. Yeah. I'll tell you why. As a labor guy, uh-huh. the strength that labor has right. is you it, it's it was people. You competing with OFA? Or? Oh, it's absolutely. It was okay. to, it was, OFA was created mm-hmm. to take those labor activists and internalize them in the campaign. Right. So that they could get away from labor. Oh, I, I truly really, believe you that. I truly believe because that. Because whether it, whether it was intended or, or the not, consequences it's saying. what happened. Well, I mean, I'll give that it's the consequences, but then I'm going to tell you something. I think when Obama went into office, I always talk about there's a president and then there's a presidency. And the presidency has a hell of a lot more pull than the president. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he suffered from the presidency. And also, he suffered from being the first black president and having to... There are things that Biden can get away with and do that Obama just couldn't do. And I, I know you probably would squirm at that, but I honestly think... I'm trying to think of what that would look like. Because oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about all of my listeners in, in very red communities right. who Biden can do no right. Exactly. So, you know, he tripped over a sandbag. But it's not about... It's not about I'm not talking about Republicans at all. Okay. I'm talking about Democrats. I'm talking about uh, I'm talking about Democrats that will that will give Biden a pass on certain things that wouldn't give Obama a certain pass. We can that, no, no, that's I, debatable. I, that's no, no, deb- I, I don't want to debate that. I yeah, mean, but I'm sure it probably is with some. Right. For I, me, I'm a policy guy. I my problem with Obama is I shook the man's hand twice. Right. He looked me in the eye and said, "Rick, we're going to get the Employee Free Choice Act or something better," and we didn't even discuss it. Well, and and that's that's my problem. I, we can also say that with the the uh, immigration bill, right? Sure, all of that. So, I mean, uh, there are a lot of. That's things because we didn't organize enough. Right, exactly. That's because we we went home. We had to push him. 
that's the reality. I mean, you go back to the FDR years. There were people in the streets. Mm -hmm. The National Labor Relations Act didn't just happen. Right. The National Labor Relations Act was a peace treaty. Right. Because workers were tearing this country apart right, brick right. by brick because they were hungry. Right. Because they were being abused in the workplace because right. they were being cheated. This this the reason I love events like this is because these are where the activists yes. are. These are the people who are going to be in the streets. So we need those people in the streets to rile folks up, get them marching. We got to shut stuff down. You got right. to shut stuff down. But you got to force politicians who are just tools. They're not saviors. Right. They're not heroes. They're not visionaries. They're tools mm -hmm. to get what we, the people, need. And we got to think back like, like you that know, again. It's interesting I, I, when you mentioned about we, we, we fell off the after Obama. We looked at him as a savior and think he's going to do everything. Biden, the one thing I can say about the Progressive Caucus and Biden is that behind the scenes, They've been working yeah. very, very hard with Biden. And, and they let Biden know, we'll have your back, but you got to have ours too. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's, and that, that's how politics works. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you stop and think about every advancement forward. It was the people pushing it. Right. It was the it was the it was the fear of we're going to throw the bums out. Yeah. And the Republicans don't fear this anymore. Oh, They've no. gerrymandered things so badly that Republican votes don't matter. Because I know Republicans who are not thrilled with Trump. I know mm -hmm. Republicans who aren't thrilled. The fact that the, the Republicans who control the House of Representatives have no idea of how to govern or where to take this right. country. All they know is division and, hey, look at me. Look how crazy I am. Woohoo! That's what they know. <laughs> I mean, it's true, though. That's it's it. True. It's true. You know, today, this morning, I did my Houston show um, from, from a hotel room, man, live. But uh, this caller called in and he said... Uh, you know, there's what's his name that's running for against for running for the Green Party now. I can't remember. Oh, from, Cornell West. Cornell West, right? And he brought him up, and I said, "Look, I'm going to tell you something about privilege, and this is what I mean about privilege. Those folks who can support Cornell West, it's not that they're bad people, but in a lot of ways, I think you can be a bit short-sighted. And why is that? Because the people are going to hurt the, the people that can say, "Well, we'll just we're just going to stick it to him." Yeah. To, you know, we'll stick it to him. But the folks that really hurt are the ones who went ahead and they continued to, you know, they went ahead and they they voted for Biden because they thought I have to take the the best of the choices that I got here. Well, you did. You took your fourth choice, you know, and I think he got it at the end. But I think what we have to get across is, look, we would love there to be more parties and better choices. and But we don't have that. Right. And we can't sacrifice. We can't sacrifice those people who because you know look to be frank if trump trump won you're fine trump won i'm fine but there are a group of folks in the ghetto in my thing i said the ghettos the barrios and appalachia and you understand the stereotype there yeah poor right. people poor people they don't get they don't get that opportunity so we have to we are the ones who always have to be looking out for those folks on the green party front look i don't have a i i, I love the fact that there's somebody out there pushing their agendas right. And in a, in a state like Illinois, like where we are, does it matter if 1% a, if a, if a of the people vote for the Green Party? In, not, in, no. not there. But in a swing state like Pennsylvania. Or Wisconsin. Or Wisconsin or yeah. Michigan. You know, this is where, this is where I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, ranked choice voting and right. runoff voting, whatever you want to call that. Um, so that you can vote your conscience right. and then vote what's in your best interest. Right. You know, that's, that's part of this. But in, in places where, you know, it, truly the, you know, before the votes are even cast, we know what's the way the right. state's going. That's great. Uh, but I fear, you know, Cornell West is the next Joe Stein, is the next Ralph Nader mm -hmm. in very isolated, small spaces. 
could play spoiler. Yeah. No, and uh, and I like Cornell West. No, I, I, I think he's. Look, I think I, he's a. His re- I have spoken rhetorically, to Cornell. He's, he's, he's I, great. Yeah, I love Cornell, and that's what you know. I was talking to uh, to my friend, and I said before I went on air, I said the problem with Cornell is, you know, he's smart and all of that. He's smart for a lot of us, but the problem is, a lot of. You ever tried to throw Cornell in certain places to talk? They don't understand what the hell he's saying. And it's big, it's I'm not of, allowed to say that. Why aren't you allowed <laughs> no, to say no, that? No, no, no. That gets me canceled. And we're going to have to stop that bull. You know that, right? No, I do. And, that, and that's a problem you with where we are. You know we're going to have to stop that, right? No, no. Like, I don't play in a lot of audiences because, either. But, 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 he, but here's the thing about it. I, I speak about everybody. Right. I don't care if you're white, black, blue, Chinese, or whatever. I'm going to talk about it. That's why I guess I'm a, a loner, you know. But anyhow, no, no, no. I, I I agree with you, and this is where yeah, this is where I, I I'm with you on the on the fact that we should be having conversations yeah. that we're not. We're we're still at the base, right? We can't get to the apex until we get through all the minutia of the bottom. But then also we also have to have the sacrificial lambs that are going to actually test those waters so that others can defend. When you look at me and tell me, well, you can say that I can't. I'm like, uh, no, no. If you happen to say it and somebody give you hell, give me a call and I'll say, no, he, he got the cred. You know, no, I, but we, no, we, to, I we ran into this yesterday. There. I ran into this yesterday. Two people were talking in front of me and one person was trying to make a point And this other person uh, was was a, a, of a minority mm-hmm. uh, status. And, and that person took offense by what this other person was saying. And, and I don't believe that the person who said it was trying to be offensive. And, they were just inarticulate. Right. And there wasn't a moment to go, hey, you know, I, I, I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't like what you said. It was cut off and run. And again, that that is, you, you know, that's where somebody like me comes in, right? Because even if you if you listen to my show in Houston, we get a lot of that. And I, I like people to be impolite in 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 when they're saying th- if they they think they're impolite. I like people to not go, to say what if people don't start saying what's on the inside, you can never correct what's on. Yeah. The, you can never correct it. So, no, I want people to talk. And I, I don't, you know, when folks come on, you get a break because you're Rick Smith and uh, <laughs> you are rated on the top, uh, the, the top five progressive shows in the top 100, which is the only five progressive shows in the top 100. Since yeah. you're there, you get a pass. <laughs> but when people come on my show and, and uh, if a white guy come on my show and look at me like, well, I can't say that. I'm going to say BS. What is it that you mean, brother? You no, what I mean is, me. look, you know, in my in my community, I look, I live in a. Right. I grew up in an all black neighborhood. I was the, the white kid in the black neighborhood. We played this neat game called Chase the White Kid and beat the right. crap out of him. <laughs> uh, and I, I joke that I, you know, up until I was 13, I was half black. The, uh-huh. other, the other half clearly blue. Yeah. Uh, because I was beaten up so much. But yeah. uh, I now live in a predominantly white neighborhood of, you know, you know solidly middle class. And in that rural community, right. you know, Cornell oh, West, very, I live in, in central Pennsylvania. Okay. The joke about where I live is. You're uh, in Appalachia, man. No, no, we're in we're in central Pennsylvania. We're okay. Uh, James Carville. Okay, James Carville. James Carville okay, said yeah, about it. Pennsylvania, you got Pittsburgh on one end, Philadelphia in the middle, right. Philadelphia on the other end, and Alabama in, in the, the middle. middle. So <laughs> I'm in the Alabama. I'm in the Alabama section. <laughs> yeah, okay. They're still fighting the Civil War in my yeah. neighborhood in a lot of places. Yeah. Now, what are you doing to solve that? Because you're, you're the guy. Oh, that I'm doing. I started doing this radio show. Okay, good. I started doing a, a incredibly progressive, labor focused, right? Um, you know, diverse program, right? In the middle of Central Pennsylvania, 18 well, years commendations ago. Commendations on that, brother. And, exactly. and and look, you know, the reality is, is we have to be able to have these conversations. Yes. And understand, you know, rural America. I don't believe. Th- I don't believe that they're outwardly racist. I think that they're painted a lot of that in, in a lot of ways. And when it's shoved at them, then they, they, they recoil and defend. 
Look, I don't think they mean. Uh, there's part of me goes. I don't think they outwardly mean to. I just think it's their environment. Yeah. And the people they surround with. But there's there's hope there, and I have hope for people. You and I spoke race the first time we spoke, and you had said something that you know I I, I thought about later on because I looked at you and I said no race is a social structure and all these things and and I was I was I was given the top level thing and you were trying to say ah oh, no well no there are people that that you know that kind of stuff doesn't work with and and I, I still stick with that method I still think that and I I'm, I'm saying that based on my personal experiences and how I reach. Sure, country folk, rural folk. Right. That you know, they after they after they break the wall as far as being able to talk to me, uh, I break them down, and they sit down and they're they're like, uh, you know, I think I never thought about it that way. No, no. Once you presented it, and and, and they don't that, feel that, they're being attacked. Right. That that's the discussion that you saw with that those two, the white chick right. and the the black chick or whatever, whoever it was, right. Uh, if I were if I if I were there, I usually I, I kind of butt into it. Yeah, I, I stayed out of that. I, I know you stayed out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why I, I, like, I usually don't. I'm not trying to defend either party. I just try to say consider this. Right. You know, and and it generally works. It, it was it, over before I got any. Yeah. I got in, I got to know what was going on. Yeah. But you're right, and this is where you know I think someone like Cornell West you mm-hmm. know can be right. Um, a, a barrier breaker. Right. But I think in a lot of communities, and, and this is uh, probably going to get me canceled now. Thanks, like Bernard. No, no, no. It's one uh, But in, in a lot of communities, his appearance is going to be something that's going to. Right. That's going to be that barrier. It, and and we we got to get back. Look, my appearance in a lot of places is a yeah. barrier. Well, you know, old white, old too. white, old straight white guy doesn't play in a lot of spaces right. on the Democratic side. You know, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I tell you what, I tell you what, an old white guy told me when we went to a Democratic meeting, he, he looked at me and he said, Egberto, I want to say this. You know me very well. You know who I am. But I can't go up and sit up because those black women are going to do X, Y, Z to me. You know what? I looked at him and I said, get your ass up there. Sorry. And say it. And let me tell you, and I'll have your back. And let me tell you why. Because the problem is, and, 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 and even if you get flack, I don't want to hear about it because I get a lot of flack in a lot of places yeah. that I go to. And I take it and I keep pushing. Yeah. You do the same damn thing. Take it like a man. Take it like a man. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That, that's sexist, man. <laughs> Can't what's, do that. like, what's wrong? What's wrong? You're sexist. I, I, no, no, well, but yeah, that, yeah. that is, you this know. Is, this is old white guy. Yeah, yeah. And this is the problem. And mm-hmm. this is this is where, you know, I've talked about this a lot. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to be sexist. Right. No, but you, we I'm, are I'm to not, some extent, right? Look, I'm, I'm a creature of habit. I'm right. a creature of, of where I grew up and, and the era I grew right. up in. And I love the fact that we go and we're canceling people from the past who, you know, like somehow we would have been different. Yeah. No, yeah. we wouldn't have. No, been, we would have but, fallen in line. And, and look, we, we we benefit right now from the ability to look backwards. Right. And I tell this to people all the time about about critical race theory. Right. I know it's a theory and it's critical and it's about race and we should be afraid and all right. that. But it's it's simply history. Yeah. You know, I didn't do it. I wasn't I, responsible for it. But we should learn from it and go. You know what? They screwed up. Maybe we should learn from it and we not screw up. And that is why it must be, and I and they call it critical race theory. That is something that's taught in university, but we do should be teaching real history. I mean, let uh, let's talk about this because this I'd really like to hear what you have to say. I don't think it's wrong for us to get rid of the myth that Christopher Columbus was a great guy. Do you? And no, I want your I, honest answer. I never thought he was a great guy. Well, I did. I grew up learning that he was a great guy, and I'm from Panama. See, I grew up learning that he was a he was a conqueror. Yeah. So you know, with a conqueror comes 
criminality. Yes, you, okay. he won. The winners, winners write the history. I, 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 so but, you go and you think of all the horrible things that have happened throughout history. Yeah, sure, we whitewashed it to say, hey, the winners were the right. you were the great ones. What did they do? They slaughtered people. And but what I what I think is important, and 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 I think even some Democrats don't like the idea of just telling. The real history. I and Columbus think, didn't found America. I mean, uh, people were here, man. How can, yeah. Yeah, you know, How can you go? Hey, can you move over? We're founding yeah. this place. So no, I, I just want. I want. Re- you know, Rick, you haven't done anything wrong. Oh, right? I know I haven't. No, no, but <laughs> and I haven't done anything wrong either. No. Okay, our ancestors in in different places and different things have done it, and we learned that we should. You know, as we became more humane, as we became more social, we became that it's not a good thing to do. Yeah, but here's the other part. Yeah. You know, mom, you know I had an aunt who went back and did our, our family trees. Mm-hmm. And here's what I know. Yeah. I know. Be careful, you may find out you have a little bit of black gene in you. Probably do. We yeah. actually do. Yeah. Um, also, but, you know, a lot of Indian. I, yeah. You know, my grandfather's side, lived, his mother lived on a reservation. Right. And they got bounced around. But uh, I know no one in our in our tree owned anyone. Right. Oh, no, but, oh, really? Uh, not, not in okay, this you're my friend now then. Okay. No, and so, so when we talk about slavery, you mm-hmm. go, okay, you know, very few people owned people. Mm-hmm. There are a few people who did really well. Right. I look at Brian Kemp, the governor right. of, of, of Georgia. His yeah. family owned some folks. And the, Tul- the, Tul- the Tulsa mayor. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of this stuff where, you know, if we're talking about all of this, maybe we talk about specifics and how to, how to maybe write those in a certain way. Yeah. And But the, the other thing, Rick, that has to be acknowledged is, and, you know, I don't know where you stand on when people talk about privilege and all that kind of stuff. But those things are real. Sure. Okay. Uh, because if I if I guarantee you, I, I, I tell you a quick. A I've quick, had negative re- interactions with police. Yeah. I have never, I've never been shot. Right. But it's not only about being shot. The, the first time a cop treated me nicely, I was going to my, to do my radio show at KPFT. And he stopped me. And I know I was stopped for driving while black because I know I didn't go into that intersection. And, but he stopped me and he was very, very nice. And he said, you know why I stopped you? No, I don't. He said, you, you, you shifted in, in the uh, intersection. I didn't, I'm sure of it, but he just, I, I was in the wrong neighborhood, you I guess. shifted? In other words, I changed lanes. Oh, you changed lanes, in, okay. In, 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 the, in the intersection. But he was very nice okay. and I kept on, I kept my hands on the steering wheel. I told him, I'm not moving, I need to go to my back pocket. I'm living my life. That's how I interact with them. And he was smirking as I'm saying that, you know, but he was very respectful and, and so forth. Yeah, see, so, now I got—I have a similar story. Mm-hmm. You know, I was racially profiled right. a number of times. Right. Uh, I had a friend who was a, a policeman on the on the east side of Cleveland, and uh, if you know anything about Cleveland, Cleveland's a fairly yeah, segregated, segregated city. Yeah. East side is is very very black neighborhoods. Uh-huh. It's all relative, uh, and it's all high high poverty. Right. So two o'clock in the morning, I'm driving you know through East Cleveland. Right. And the policeman pulls me over. Uh huh. And he walks up to the car, and like you, he goes, "You know, I pulled you over." I go, "No." He goes, "I just want to know if you're lost." Oh, but that's a race that rule. That was a profiling to protect you. <laughs> and that's the difference in yeah. that, that really is the difference in privilege. Right. He didn't assume I was there for any criminal right. reason. He thought I was lost. And he needed to protect you. Yeah. I mean, so so if, if you want to, that's the that's reality in yes. the world that we're in. Yes. And I understand that. But, you know, I, but I, I, I'm going to tell you, Rick, it's your responsibility as this good old white guy to reflect that. Oh, I've said that all the time. When we talk about racial profiling, I tell that story all the time. Okay, okay, that's good. Because I've been profiled a bunch. Mm -hmm. But But it's usually been positive. But let me finish my story because it's a quick one. I went ahead and I gave that cop kudos that night on my show. 
you would not imagine the flack I got for it from progressives. That's what he was supposed to do. Yeah. Da, 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 da. No, and I said, it's true. Yeah. But you know what? I felt if you give the positive affirmation to folks who are doing their job, it may induce others to do the same. Yeah. And, 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 you know, so my thing wasn't I wanted to take a stance on how, uh, you know, what's going on. I wanted to say if you're not if you are not moving the problem forward, I mean, making the problem better forward, what's the point? If, no, I, if, if you individually yeah. does do well, as opposed to putting that out there and maybe other cops would hear. And you know what? Other cops called in uh, and, and said, made interesting statements. Like, well, you know, I don't really do that. But, you know, because what I did is I after I left, I turned around and I said, you know, this guy was nice. Let me take a picture with him. Stupid me. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. This guy could have thought, why is he coming around? And, you know. I looked at him, but I put my hands on and said, hey, man, I want to take a picture with you because I, and, and he did it, you know. So but the thing about it is, I think we have to change the paradigm. Yep. And the paradigm is not stay in the status quo. You stay in your silo. I stay in my silo and we do these things. You can't. You got to get away from that. And your voice and our voices, that's what it's all there for. No, I, I remember when the whole defund the police thing came up. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I got to be honest, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, I support the police. Right. When they're not wrong. Right. But the, the thing about it, and I asked the question, the moniker, the, the defund the police moniker, you knew the Republicans oh, were going to use it. But, but that's not what it meant. But over, 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 well, yeah, but then it's like anything in politics. If you're explaining, you're losing. You lose, exactly. And, yeah. and, and I said from the beginning, I support the police when they're not wrong. When they do things wrong, you have to hold them accountable. Yes. We give them a lot of power. We give them a lot of authority. They have to not abuse that. Right. But I think you're right. I think in the times when they are doing their jobs and they are doing it well, you do need to you do need to give a pat I, on the back. Everyone, I, I think that's part of the reason we're having such a hard time recruiting yes. police and why we're getting in a lot of places right. some of the some of the wrong people. Yes, you know some of the wrong people are now becoming uh, policemen because you know we're going to crack down. Right. We're going to whatever the it's it's. It seems like we're sending the wrong message. And I and I like like I said, for me, it's not about ego or any of those things when it comes with dealing with folks now. It's about what can you do to actually make the society better. But here, Rick, we're coming at the closer here. And from the great top 100 guy, I mean, you guys are- You're really, rubbing that, aren't you? I'm rubbing that in, man. For, you know, tell me, give me a closer, brother. Look, I think we can make really great strides in the next couple of years. Uh, you know, politically, at the end of the day, it's about us coming together. And I look at this event. Uh, there's a lot of energy, a lot of mm -hmm. activism here. I'm hoping what comes out of this are people getting back into the streets, talking to friends and yeah. neighbors, and bringing us back to the center of the road. We got to get off the sidewalks, throwing platitudes and and angry talking points at each other. We got to get back into the middle of the road, mix it up, and figure out as a working class, as a as a society of people who you know look who, who work for a living, how we're going to move forward. How we're going to make this a better place for our kids, and how we're going to make the future something worth inheriting with, from our children. So for me, that's that's why I'm here, why I hope this this event is successful and uh, kind of what we're working towards. Rick Smith, Rick Smith Show, one top 100. <laughs> you, thank you so kindly for being here. Thank you, Egberto, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much.
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. Alright folks, I hope you like that. Um, that is my good friend Rick Rick Smith. Anyhow, um, Bridge MCP had a great little thing on the screen. Uh, this screen is a bit smaller, but I'm going to try to read it. Actually, what am I thinking about? I can just go to the main thing. It says, the difference between these two men, and they have a picture of Donald Trump and a picture of Joe Biden. And guess what, guys? Of course, Joe Biden looks like a fit guy in his shorts. Donald Trump looked like a, well, you know what Donald Trump looks like. It says the difference between these two men is only three years. Oh, and two impeachments, six bankruptcies, and two indictments so far resulting in 71 felony counts. And we know those felony counts are going to be going up and up and up and up and up and up and up. You know, so again, be careful when you guys are talking about Biden and all of that. Things that are not going to feed you. Things that are not going to send you to school or your kids to school. Things that are going to do you no good. So let's get with things that are really important. Anyhow, uh, earlier this morning, I had a call from a, a one of the callers had a sort of a discussion on Social Security. I want to play that. And the reason I want to play that is because too often, too often what we do is we allow the right to get away with the fallacies that are already out there. So check this out. It's from this morning's show, and then I kind of turned it around. Check it out. Come on in, Brian. Yeah, can you hear me? Of course I can hear my good friend, Brian. How you doing, my brother? Fine, fine. Uh, after you retire, what's your uh, life expectancy? After I retire, well, it depends, right? I, uh, I, I you, you know, some people 10 years, some people 20 years, some people one year, some people die as soon as they retire. It, it all depends. I don't, I don't know what the distribution is right now. I hadn't looked that up. Yeah, it's about seven years for a male, 12, 12 years for a female. Okay. So let's say you put back a million dollars in Social Security. Mm -hmm. uh, shouldn't that money be yours? Well, nobody that I know, okay, nobody that I know, even if you amortize it at 7% per year for 50 years, have put a million dollars in uh, Social Security. I don't know of that person. I'm, I'm, and I'm talking about average working class America. And, and I, I love the numbers that you just gave, Brian, because that is what a lot of folks on the right, that's the leaders on the right would like to say. And uh, you, you, you and I had a good discussion that I actually blogged last night because I loved that you brought up that issue. And I did, I went ahead and, and, and did some numbers on the back of a sheet to do the amortization table because I figured you would have, you would have called today. And the reality is, no, sir, uh, even if they lived seven years, 
they would not have put that for the for the for the disposable income that they have uh even if they put if they just put the amount that social security took that 15 percent is not seven percent it's 15 percent seven point something for um for themselves and seven for the employer okay so i i even gave that benefit to them as far as what the employer pays and it didn't even come close to what they would need in five years so that's that's what i wanted to say no, it's actually it's two percent. It's 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 an actual two percent growth. So no, I know, but what I'm saying, I did the amortization at seven percent because that's a stock market. Yeah, if you do invest in the stock market, it's seven percent. Yes, it's and that's what I assumed. Diverge in Social Security. Well, I, I don't understand your numbers. Uh, what, 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 I'm what, what I'm saying is this. What I'm saying is this, Rick. People make a certain amount of money, right? Let, let, let's take you as an example. And I'm not going to ask you to give your salary. But let's take you as an example. If you put away, uh, how much money do you think you could put away a month in uh, Social Security? I mean, a month in savings if you didn't have Social Security? About 250 Okay, 250 I'll have to run the, uh, I tell you what, uh, for Monday, I'm going to have the different scenarios for 250 uh, you put in a way, and I'm going to show you that that is not I've enough. Run it. My point, okay. I've already run it. My point is, if you make, let's say, you have $500,000 in Social Security. You've, you've already yes. put that money away. You die five years later. Who owns that money? The U.S. government. You have no say-so to say, okay, I want to give it to my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. You have no say-so whatsoever. Those benefits stop. If both right. you and your wife work. And your okay. Husband dies. You know, actually, that that point that you're making, Brian, is correct. Okay, hold on a second. Let, let me give yeah, you your kudos. You. Kudos, you hold on, Brian. We're not fighting here. You're my brother, Brian. Brian, we're not fighting. You're my brother. Stop it. All right. All right. Hear me out here. You are correct that if you die and you don't have any dependents, right, like your wife that money stays into the pot. But that is what insurance is. I try, you see, everybody wants to look at, at Social Security as a savings account. Social Security is not a savings account. Social Security is an insurance policy. And uh, when you pay for your car insurance to the private companies, if you never get into a wreck, you see none of that money. Is that correct? Oh, Brian left. Yeah, he's he he left. Oh, okay. You know, uh, well, let, let me ex let me explain something about uh, what Brian said because Brian was right when Brian said, you know, if all the dependents die, the all the money that got into Social Security is gone, gone. It's not really gone. It's gone to pay other people, and that is because the the way some people want to sell Social Security is that it's a savings account. It is not. It's an insurance policy. It's an insurance policy of against of, of you living after retirement. That's what it is. So therefore, if you have the good nature of living 30 years after you retire, you will be paid and made whole for 30 years. If you are unlucky and only live five years, you'll be paid for five. And that's why that when you do the amortization, the actuarial tables, it you get a certain, you know, they 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 based on what. Some people live long, some people live short, etc. And this is the amount we're going to collect as this insurance policy. 
right? So we have to stop looking at it that way. Brian, I'm sorry that you hung up. Again, we're, you have to be able to converse if we are going uh, to hear truths and make progress and, and not allow the corporatocracy to rip us off. We have to listen and we have to go back and forth so that we have an understanding. That is how it works. We, we spend a spend lot, a lot of definitely how it works. Now, again, I was given Brian his kudos. He's right. If you put in $100,000 into Social Security and you only live long enough to take out 50000 and you don't have a wife, that 50000 stays in the pot. But that $50,000 was never in the pot. What people don't get is when you, if you have a home, you pay insurance on that home. In my case, $3,000, $4,000 every year for that insurance, right? I will, if, if I never, if I've never billed that insurance company for any damage to my home, over, over the years, I may have paid that insurance company $90,000 not using amortization. Okay, $90,000 not using amortization. But here is the kicker. Here is the kicker. Have you ever gone and said, insurance company, uh, give me my money back after I sell the house since I had no, ch since I didn't do anything, I, I didn't damage the house? When you paid on your car, the $250 a month for the insurance on your car, over and over again, and you sell your car, did you go back to that insurance company and say, hey, you didn't have to give me any uh, payments for that? No, you don't. It is preposterous. Those people who believe that Social Security is that you are putting into some savings account. It's not a 401k. Reagan and those guys would have loved for all of us to have our money in a 401k so that the plutocrats, the, the stockbrokers and everybody else could make a penny off of our worth, out of our money. What Social Security is, is saying something simple. We are going to charge you 14% of whatever you make. And when you retire, no matter how long you live, we will make you whole. We'll ensure that you have income. And what that Social Security is, is all the people that are paying in today are taking care of those folks up that, that have paid in several years before. And if they have the good luxury of living a long time, great. If they don't, they don't. So, folks, we have to enhance our thinking process and understand what it's all about. It's a community, it's a society. Remember that. Bruce says single-payer medicine is insurance too, but the actual basis is more complicated. True. Bruce says, but Egberto, that money should go to the family, not back to government and given to others because the government borrows from it. It has glitches. I, that one I disagree with. Let me explain why I disagree with it uh, completely, actually. Um, most people that pay into Social Security. Most people, if you figure out, let, let's say you are getting $2,000 a month in Social Security. In one year, you'd have taken out $24,000. And that isn't even amortized. But in one year, you take out $24,000. If you're collecting Social Security for 10 years, you'd have taken out, without amortized, $240,000. If you amortize it, it's even more, right? $240,000 out of it. Most people all of their lives have not put into Social Security more than $50,000 of that much, $60,000, $70,000. So most people take a whole lot more out of Social Security than they put in. 
So if we were asking those who were lucky enough to make enough money and live a short span of time to go ahead and they put in a whole lot more into Social Security than they take out. And then you say, well, because that happens, I am going to have to take my money back out. For all the millions of people that took more out of Social Security, again, it's not a savings account. It is a, it is, it is a uh, what, what do we call it? It is an insurance policy. And what we want is that insurance policy to continue to work for anybody that's alive that needs that support for Social Security. It's not a savings account. It's an insurance policy you're buying. When you, when you insure your car and you've driven it for 10 years, you don't get a penny back after driving it for 10 years and selling it, not ever having made a claim. Again, it's what it is. Norman says there are people who say who paid Social Security that die than those who get a benefit from the policy. There are more people who paid Social Security that die than those who get that. And remember what we spoke about, um, uh, Norman. One of the reasons we go ahead and say, as soon as you become 62 years old, pull your Social Security. A lot of folks would say, no, wait till 67 to get a higher amount. You don't know how long you're going to live. And that extra money is never worth, it's never worth that break. So no, I say as soon as you become 62, take the Social Security and fight against them trying to raise the Social Security rates. Try like hell to prevent that. Mike C. says, that's why an IRA saved by individuals can't be ripped off by the government or politicians. The poor will end up with four times the income at retirement than Social Security. And that is a provably false statement, Mike Cisak. I did the numbers and I just showed you what the numbers are. If you are getting $2,000 a month from Social Security, that's $24,000 a year. Over 10 years, that's over $240,000. Amortize is closer to $300,000. Tell me how many people that you know accumulated $300,000 on, on, on minimum wage, min, minimal wage in their IRAs. It's not there. It's a false statement. It's a lying statement that allow people to vote against their own interests. IRAs are not the answer. 401ks have never been the answer. If they were the answer, they wouldn't have been in existence. The only reason IRAs and 401ks are in existence is because Wall Street can make money on them. Remember that. And I don't know how to do math. Come on, sir, I'm an engineer. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty, pretty, pretty sure I know how to do not basic arithmetic, but also differential equations and, and, and calculus and all those things. So Mike Cisak, no, my brother, I love you, but you're simply, simply wrong. Okay? You're simply wrong. All right. Uh, I got one more video, and I do have time for that one more video. Let's go ahead. Uh, oh, boy. Now he's going to tell me. Compounding interest is a simple arithmetic thing, sir. Very simple. All right. Let's go ahead and listen to that video from Andrew Villanueva. Welcome to another edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today, I am with Andrew Villanueva. I just learned how to say that. And uh, he is the, I guess, the founder of NPI's Correct. Cascadia Advocate, correct? That's right. That's the blog of the Northwest Progressive Institute. All right. Well, tell, first of all, tell us a little bit about your company. 
Sure. So NPI is a 501c4 nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And so we're a social welfare organization. That means we're allowed to do unlimited lobbying right. and advocacy Absolutely. under the tax code. And we were started 20 years ago. Right. And so we've been basically working to revolutionize grassroots politics in the Pacific Northwest and beyond for two decades and mm -hmm. have accomplished a lot of things. In the last few years in particular, we've had a, a notable string of successes. A lot of our early years were spent trying to figure out how to stop right-wing ballot measures in Washington State. And that's just basically the use of the initiative to torpedo public services. It's the whole Grover Norquist drowned government right. in a bathtub thing. So there, there was a Grover Norquist clone in our in Washington State named Tim Iman, who's uh -huh. like another Grover Norquist clone in Oregon, uh, Bill Sizemore. Is he, he draining the bathtub? Well, he wanted to. Oh, okay. But, and for a few years, he was passing an initiative every year at the ballot that was like a deceptively worded, let's cut taxes right. measure. But we finally were able to bring his initiative factory down. And he's been off the ballot now for several years. Oh, great. And, and you did that numerically. Well, we did, what we did was we, we figured out pretty quickly we needed to destroy Iman's influence in two places. First of all, we had to make sure the Democrats weren't afraid of him. Uh -huh. you know, so How did you do that? Democrats are kind of a fraidy, fraidy people. Yeah, so we had, we had to do a lot of work uh, to convince Democrats that the, you, know, you just can't re-implement a Tim Iman initiative if it passes. Right. You, can't just, you can't just betray your principles and values. Right. So part of that was just you know, working with people as they were running their campaigns to get them to realize what our values really are. So by 2012, we had a new governor, Jay Inslee, who you've probably heard of, climate oh, champion. Oh, I yeah. interviewed him, yeah. Yeah, so you've interviewed him. So Governor Inslee has been, has, it's the first, he's the first governor uh, in, in the last 20 plus years who has stood up to Tim Iman every time. And, and Tim Iman doesn't like him at all. Like he despises him because the last two governors re-implemented Tim Iman's initiatives after they were struck down in the courts. Right. Governor Inslee's refused to do that. Yeah. So it's it's a, basically a new a crop of Democrats that came in, realized, you know, after talking with us, we, we have to stand up to Tim Iman. I mean, the values that they hold, they know they're important. In other words, the Democrats are despising now. We have Democrats with spines. So that was that was the first step is right. getting getting rid of Tim Iman's influence in the Democratic Party, strengthening the Democratic backbone. I mean, part of it was helped by the fact that Iman revealed himself to be a crook. Mm -hmm. And so then Democrats just didn't want to trust him, didn't want to give him any victories. Right. So that helps. Now, now um, Democrats have a tendency not to understand their own electorate and understanding the values that they stand for, etc. You're a polling organization. Yeah. And I think you're uh, and you can probably throw the numbers out at me. America is not a center-right country. Correct. America is not a center country. Correct. America is a center-left country, maybe, but we know America is a left country by values. Explain. Yeah, so, I mean, when you, when you look at polling, first of all, you can have anything say whatever you want. Like, a, a survey can say whatever you want it to say. Right. Data can be made to say whatever you want it to say. Right. There's, there's the old saying, you know, lies, damn lies, and statistics, right. you know. So data can be manipulated, and certainly we've seen that uh, right. many times. But what what authentic, credible public opinion research tells us is that people in America, by and large, hold progressive values. They might think in the right-wing sphere with some, some areas of their political thinking might be using the logic of the other side's value system. But for the most part, they're reasoning using progressive values. And you can find this out if you ask neutral questions, right? right. And so if you're going to ask people like, well, do you think people should have the right to make their own reproductive health care decisions, right? Yes. People do believe that. Now, that doesn't mean that necessarily they agree with all of Democrats' policies, right? 
but it does mean that by and large, people want these decisions to be left up to individuals. They think reproductive autonomy, reproductive justice are important. You know, Washington has a lot of right-wing areas. You know, there's no totally blue, 100% yeah, the, 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 blue the, the state. The eastern side, side of exactly. the state is pretty much That's uh, right. right-wing. Yeah, but, but, but in our polling, one of the things yeah. we discovered is that even voters out in eastern and central Washington, which are very Republican areas, mm-hmm. even they support reproductive rights right. to, a, to some extent. Well, look at what happened for every bill that's been passed in Kansas and, and, and uh, I that's think- right. Kentucky, yep. etc. They're all they're all progressive. I think there was one in Missouri. Missouri as well. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, if we take a look at the United States of America, we know it's a progressive, and and the numbers, which is what your your in your company does, which is figure out exactly where people are at. Now, what do you see? Uh, let me back up a bit. I read somewhere recently that you're going to have a serious Republican challenge in the governorship of. Washington? Yeah, so Dave Reichert, uh, who's a former U.S. congressman and, yeah. and sheriff of King County, which is our largest county and our right. one of the biggest Democratic bastions anywhere in the country, uh, Dave Reichert is running for governor. He thought about it twice right. before. He was going to run in 2016, and he's like, nah. And then in 2020, he was thinking about it, and he's like, nah. But this time, he's running. No. Uh, you do the numbers. Why would he do that, especially since uh, right now the, 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 the Republican Party isn't such a good name. Yeah, so I think it, for this, it comes down to this for Reichert. He's in his 70s. Mm-hmm. He's like 72 now. He's going to be 74, I think, mm-hmm. 73, one of those two in the presidential election right. year. And he, he can't run in four years because... You're too old. He, well, not only would he be too old, but there's probably going to be a Democratic incumbent in there. If, right. he, do, if he doesn't run, right. the Republicans probably have no chance. If he right. does run, they have like maybe a little bit of a stronger because chance. Because it's an open seat. Well, because it's an open seat and because right. he is a big name. Right. And, and he won, you know, he won in a district that Democrats now control, which is Kim Schreier's district. Right. He was the congressman for that district for many years. But and he won in Democratic years like 2006 and 2008 against Darcy Burner. Okay. But it's changed. The demographics has changed, right? It has, uh, and and also that has become a more Democratic area. Yeah. So I mean. So what's what, what's the spill? Is are they just wanting the Democrats to spend some money in that area? Probably. I mean, I, I think for Reichert, it's like he can't. He just can't rest. He can't ride off into the sunset, you know, and call mm-hmm. it quits without trying this once. So tell me where America is. I mean, what I like to do is, I, especially to the younger folks who are going to be carrying the ball later on. Yeah. Where are we? You mean like strategically? I mean, the, the country, politically speaking. Where are we? I mean, strategically would be one part, yeah. but, but also where where's the heart of America? Well, I think where we are at as a country is we're tr- we're in the struggle to preserve democracy, mm-hmm. to prevent to prevent neo fascists from taking over. Right. And so th- this is the battle of our time, basically. Joe Biden called it this battle for the soul of America. Mm-hmm. That's not a, an accurate description at all. And I think you know, young people are looking at the country and going, what what is there for us in twenty years or fifty years? We don't we don't know. I mean, it. It's very easy as a Gen Z or, or a millennial, right. millennial to be like, "Will Social Security be there for me? Will, th- will there be a will there be a place to live in the southern states? Right. You know, with the climate crisis getting worse all the time." So I think where we're at is we're a country that's hungry for progressive change, but it's it's out of reach in many places because of 
things like gerrymandering uh, because Republicans have done this all this culture war stuff to distract people from what the real issues are. And their framing is prevalent in almost all media. Right. So that means, you know, that we struggle uphill to get like we, we have to spend maybe 20 minutes explaining what our ideas are. Republicans right. need to say a few words and everyone knows what their ideas are because right. they've already cemented those ideas in the consciousness. Well, Frank Luntz, uh, you can hate Frank Luntz, but you got to love his intellect when it comes to how to wordsmith, right? I mean, Frank Luntz uh, is, is a master of framing. And, you know, George Lakoff has said we need to pay attention to what he's doing and study him. Lakoff himself is good. Unfortunately, Lakoff has never got the, tr the throughput in the in the uh, on the left that, uh, let's say, Frank Lund says his books are great. And, and by gosh, the reality is I, uh, I, I think it is important for us to learn how to do exactly that. Actually, that's why I wrote some of those books there, because we have to be able to talk to the other side and present the case. Correct. Now, give me a closer. Well, you know, I think we've got to be able to reframe effectively, you know, like like climate change, for example, we say climate damage at NPI. We just right. we, we want people to understand this is a this is a crisis. Let me stop you right there. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I don't I don't think people understand that that is a Frank Luntz move. Right. That's All right. True. I call our legislature legislators in Texas assassins, murderers, because if folks don't have health care that is already paid for and available for them in the state of Texas, we don't get the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act, which means we lose over three, yeah. 400 people per year. The blood of those people are the hands on those who murdered them, and that's our legislators. That's how we refer to it. Thank you. It is essential that we start naming things as they are. And just that one word, yes, I know, completely revolutionizes. Correct. What you've said, and it's not, and it's not about the words. I want to emphasize that the words are flags; they right. evoke frames. Yes. And so, what you're doing when you say the correct word is you're evoking the frame. A lot of people think, oh, it's just semantics. Or no, it's not. It's not. It's not it at is all. actually what's happening. Correct. Andrew Villeneuve. Thank you so kindly for having been on politics. Oh, you're welcome. I remember to always reframe. <laughs> All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Let me just uh, tell Mike Cisak something. Mike Cisak went ahead and he assumed 17% for 50 years at 7.5 average return on the stock market when he, when he came out with that calculations under the assumption that that is a constant. Look, I've done all those numbers already. The truth of the matter is while those numbers seem to indicate what you're saying at, what is it? I think it comes out to 800 something thousand dollars. Look at what's underneath that. First of all, you're not going to get 7.5%. Secondly, it's not going to grow in those direct lines. But we'll talk about that on Monday because since, since you constantly bring that up, I think what I need to do is give you a more cogent answer. When it comes to taking retirement at 62 it always makes more sense. It takes you a hell of a lot more time to recover the hundred and something thousand dollars that you lose by not taking it at six to two. Anyhow, I got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I am going to end this baby. I am what? Out!
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.